Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Brought to you by SportsNot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote. Nation, welcome back and let's go. I am Evan Grote. This is a brand new episode of Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast brought to you by SportsNot.com and I hope everyone is doing well. I am feeling great. I have been away from the podcast for some time now. Actually, this was the biggest layoff I have taken in the three years that I've done the show, but I'm happy to be here with you again. It's time to start ramping it up because next week, as you know, at this time, training camp 2022 will be underway for your Las Vegas Raiders. And that's some exciting stuff. It's been a long off season, lots of changes, new general manager, new front office, new coaching staff, a new wide receiver one. Uh, you know about all of the upgrades. Uh, and because of that, the expectations for this team are as high as they as they have been in, in some time. Now, speaking of new additions, the big news from last week when I was away was Mark Davis did hire a new team president. Sandra Douglas Martin will now take over in that role for the organization, a native of Las Vegas, and she comes to the Raiders with a very impressive resume. By now, you know all about it. It includes uh, being the chair of the Nevada Gaming Control Board, as well as the city attorney in the state of Las, uh, excuse me, Nevada, among other. Uh, really high profile, uh, you know, executive position. So no shortage of qualifications for uh, Miss Douglas Martin. And the Raiders, once again, they make history uh, with this hiring as they have done so many times in the past under the the late, great Al Davis. And, and Miss Martin uh, becomes the first African-American female team president in NFL history. And as I mentioned, it continues along uh, with the Raiders' rich history of, of being trailblazers when it comes to hiring not only females, um, don't forget about Amy Trask, right, but also minority and people of color to, to front office and coaching positions. So I want to make sure that I I mentioned that news because it did take place last week, but you know, at the top of the show I wanted to get that out of the way uh, before I get to a couple of other announcements. Next on my list, of course, I, I want to mention uh, – my good friends Scott Gilbranson and, and, and Mo Moten, as you know, we are all kind of a team, and we've we've been that way for the last couple of years now. They've been on the show with me throughout the years. I've contributed with Silver and Black Today and and, and on Raider Nation Radio with with Scott, and you know I'm going to continue to be a part of of the team going forward. Um, but I I wanted to share their big news and, and you probably have already heard it by now, but I want to make sure uh, that I got it out there. Their show, which was most recently a part of the Mightier 1090 uh, AM in Southern California, is now part of uh, Odyssey podcast as an Odyssey original. So that that is big news for them. They will now be able to connect to a, a much larger audience and, and they will be available more frequently for you. So two times a week, 
uh, in the off season, and then once the season kicks off, they're they're going to be available three times a week. They're going to be giving you a post game wrap up show after each game, so that's exciting, and uh, I will be a part of that at some point. Um, so we got you all covered between just Pod Baby and Silver and Black today. The podcasts uh, we've got you all covered here as training camp is about to begin. Uh, so be sure to give both of our shows a follow um, on all of your major podcasting platforms if you don't already do so. We really appreciate the support, and you know we're going to be pumping out a lot of content for you here in the next couple of months. Okay, with with that out of the way now. Uh, I do want to give you the rundown for the show this week. We are, you know, we're still in the very slow news period right now, um, you know, but I, I've been doing some reading uh, during some uh, some of the time off here, and I, and I came across some good work uh, from Ben Lindsay over at Pro Football Focus, and he's been putting out a bunch of rankings pieces, and, and those are good pieces this time of year. And uh, one of them that I was most interested in, uh, it was where he ranked all 32 rosters in the NFL. He has strengths, weaknesses, and X factors for each team. So in segment two this week, we'll be joined by Ben. Uh, He's an analyst at Pro Football Focus, and we will chat with him about not only his thoughts on the Raiders, but also where they stack up with all the other teams in the AFC West division. So I'm very much looking forward to, to that conversation a little bit later on. But this week, I do want to begin by looking ahead to training camp and talking about what is it that you are most excited about, whether that is a certain player in particular or a position group. Uh, maybe it's a position battle that you're really going to be focusing in on. There are many new faces on this year's roster, a new coaching staff, so there's going to be plenty of things we just don't know about until we have a chance to, you know, get to training camp and see some preseason action. So uh, what I will do is um, I'm going to give you a couple of the things that I am most looking forward to seeing or uh, things that I'm most interested in, in seeing. Um, and after you listen to the show, please let me know what your thoughts are. And you can shoot me a DM on Twitter at egrope 5 or you know, leave a message on the contact page over at justpodbaby.com. Now, for me, one of the the, the more intriguing things that I want to see, or I guess I should say position groups that I want to see in action, is this reworked defensive line. There was a total overhaul at the position uh, compared to last year's team, and they had a complete overhaul. Um, last offseason, if you recall, um, with the exception of Jonathan Hankins, none of the key components from last year's defensive line were brought back. So it's a it's a new new look group. In, in my opinion, um, the the defensive line ended up being one of the strengths for that Raiders team last year. After I was a little bit skeptical heading into the season last year, if you recall, those of you who have been listening to the podcast. Now this year, I'm again. I'm not sure about the group um, with Patrick Graham now calling the defense. There, um, there is a different philosophy in place with the defensive linemen compared to uh, Gus Bradley as far as what he looks for in his defensive linemen. Now you know Gus Bradley does not blitz a lot, so he wants to be able to generate pressure with the front four. So he had to have guys in there that could get to the quarterback. Um, but as you look at the type of player that they brought in this offseason and that is currently on the roster, it's a much different type of guy, most notably in body type. And it's, this is something that I've spoke about before. 
Um, you're going to see a lot of big men this year who can who can be space eaters, take on a lot of blockers, and and hopefully get some push from the inside. You've got Andrew Billings, who's weighing in at 325 pounds. Bilal Nichols, 290. Kyle Pecko, 305. Vernon Butler, 330. And of course, the two rookies that were drafted, Neil Farrell Jr., 330 pounds, and Matthew Butler, who's tipping the scales at about 300 pounds. Now, I'm not sure that with this group of guys, you're going to see anybody who's going to reach that five sack mark. Uh, besides maybe Bilal Nichols, I'm I'm hoping that they will be able to get some some production from him. Uh, he did have a career high five sacks, and, and Vernon Butler uh, did have a season where he reached six. So I, I I I do think those two guys have the ability to get to that number. But I think for the most part, you're going to see guys who can who can generate some pressure, um, you know, take on blockers that will hopefully open up things for Max Crosby and, and Chandler Jones on the edges. And that's that's been a problem for the Raiders for a number of years now is they just have not had a, a real presence on the inside that helps those guys coming off the edge. And, and, and we do know that Graham will be more exotic and, and creative and also be more frequent with his blitz packages compared to Gus Bradley. So I do think that'll help the pass rush overall as well. So so that is the first group that I'm going to be keeping an eye on this summer um, is the defensive line, uh, def- defensive line, specifically the interior part of the defensive line, if I didn't make myself clear there. And then the other two positions are running back and the secondary um, I, I just thought it was too obvious to mention the offensive line um, as a group that I was going to be focusing on. I think everyone's going to be focusing on that group because it's going to be such a critical part um, of the team. So I was trying to think a little bit outside the box with some of these. But but getting back to the running backs, Josh Jacobs did, as you know, he did not have his fifth-year option exercise, and, and now he enters the year with what should be a ton of motivation to play well, to earn himself a, a lucrative contract, if not with the Raiders, maybe another team. Now, history tells us the Patriots generally do not, or, or excuse me, uh, the, the Patriots generally like to uh, employ more of a, a running backs by committee approach. And, and I do think that is what we will see uh, this year. Behind Jacobs, the room is, is really crowded. They still have Kenyon Drake who I believe will fall into that James White third down role, um, you know, utilized more so in the passing game. Ziegler, uh, Dave Ziegler and, and, and Josh McDaniels signed a familiar face in Brandon Bolden, who should help serve as more of a mentor and, and, and it's another coach there for some of these other running backs. Amir Abdullah is on the roster. I find it hard to believe that he wins a spot out of camp, but you never know. Um, and 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 much like the interior part of the defensive line, two running backs were were drafted as well. Zamir White in round four out of Georgia, and Britton Brown in round seven from UCLA. Now, there's no question, Josh Jacobs, he, he is the lead back as long as he's healthy, and that is a big if um, from what we have seen from him the last few seasons. It's just his health has been in question, and. Uh, uh, you know, as far as Kenyon Drake is concerned in his role, uh, I, I don't see him getting a large workload as a runner, similar to what the way he was used last season when 
Uh, I looked at the numbers. He had 63 carries last year. Um, as you, If you recall, he had the injury, which ended his season after 12 games. What I'm most interested in, in seeing is how they're going to utilize Zemir White. How involved is he going to be in year one? Now, initially... When he was drafted, I did I didn't anticipate him having much of a role given the injury history and the fact that he never really had a, a huge workload at um, at Georgia. He uh, never carried the ball more than 160 times at Georgia. But I've I've kind of changed my thoughts on that. I, I I think you know you'll see Jacobs in the in the 200 carry range, 200 plus, just over 200, maybe 205, 210. In that range, and I, I think Zamir White is gonna, you know, be next in line. You know, around 100, 115 carries, and then you're gonna see Drake, you know, last in line with the you know 65 to 80 range as far as carries are concerned. But I do think McDaniel's and his coaches they want to see what White is all about, and if he can become the featured back uh, of the future for this Raiders team, because. Again, going back to history, what it has shown us about the Patriots is they just don't uh, throw a lot of money at running backs. They generally do not draft running backs that high. I know you could mention Sony Michelle as a, I believe he was a first round pick a few years ago, but um, generally um, they just don't value the running back as much. So I just can't see them paying Josh Jacobs a ton of money unless he has just an unbelievable year, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, as far as Brandon Bolden is concerned, he's going to be a core special teamer, a guy who, should there be some injuries, can be depended on uh, to hop in there and do his job. He 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 filled in uh, really nicely last year uh, for the Patriots. I think he had career numbers, if I recall, um, you know, filling in for some injuries when his number was called. And then and then finally, moving on to the the secondary. You know, very interested to see how the cornerback position across from Trayvon Mullen plays out. The way I see it, you have Rockyson and Anthony Everett, both new additions to the team, uh, who are going to be competing for that job. Um, we did hear a little bit of buzz during minicamp and OTAs about Amik Robertson getting some work on the outside, where you know he did excel there in college. Don't forget, he was an All-American Uh on the, on the outside. Now he would be a very undersized outside corner in the NFL. He's only five, nine, but he did have a ton of production. Go back and look up some of his numbers from the college, from his, from his college days, a lot of production on the outside. Um, clearly has not made the, the transition that, uh, the organization was hoping for from the slot. Uh, they now have Nate Hobbs there to man that spot. So, looking for a place for Amik Robertson if he is to make this roster. Um, and I'm going to make a bit of a hot take here, okay? Um, I don't like to do this, but I thought, you know, we'd have a little fun. I'm going to go out on the line and say Anthony Everett wins that corner job, okay? If you recall, um, a few months back, I uh, brought on some guests, some beat writers from some of these teams where the Raiders acquired some of these new players. We spoke to a beat writer from the Baltimore Sun uh, who who spoke to us about Anthony Averett, and he really stepped up to the plate last year for the Ravens when given a larger role. They had a lot of injuries to the cornerback position, and, and he more than held his own. 
Um, so I, I think an opportunity is all he needed, and he has a, a golden opportunity here with the Raiders to go out there and, and compete and, and, and to win the starting job. So I'm going to be keeping a close eye on that one. I just mentioned Nate Hobbs returns to the lineup after a stellar rookie year. He's going to man that slot position again. He did very good there. I can't see them moving him. Um, and then you look to the back end. Trayvon Merrick had a, a had a steady, a good but not great rookie year. Um, I'd be looking for him to make more splash plays this year. And besides him, it's a battle between John Abram, who enters year four, clearly has been a disappointment to this point. Uh, after the Raiders used a first round pick on him, he has battled injuries and uh, poor play through his first uh, three seasons. Um, also did not have his fifth-year option picked up, and, and he'll be battling out with Deron Harmon, a veteran, has experience with that Patriots, uh, Patriots system, so uh, that'll be another uh, interesting battle to keep an eye on. And I think beyond some of the questions that remain with the offensive line, um, which I said was more of the obvious ones, um, and, and then the second cornerback spot, which I just mentioned, I think strong safety will be one of the marquee positional battles um, that I'll be focusing on during training camp. Another name that I want to throw out there is Tyree Gillespie. Um, keep an eye on him. I, I know one of the knocks on him coming out of college was, you know, where exactly does he play at the NFL? Um, whether it's is he best at free or, or strong safety, but he does offer some some scheme versatility. And I do recall hearing some good things about him during training camp uh, last year. So those are some of the battles, the positions and players that I will be focusing on as training camp gets underway next week. I'd love to know what you think. Please reach out to me and let me know. That does bring us now to, all, to our first break. I'm going to step aside. And when I return, we're going to dive into Ben Lindsay's roster rankings. And Ben is a analyst for Pro Football Focus. And we're going to chat with him and get some of his reasoning and rationale as to why he ranked the Raiders where he did. Lots going on here this week. Lots to still do. Stay tuned to Just Pod Baby brought to you by SportsNot.com. Welcome back to Just Pod, baby. Run down the field on Your home for all things Las Vegas Raiders football. News, views, and guests. Just win, baby. There's only one nation, and they listen here. Once a Raider, always a Raider. And we are back here on Just Pod Baby, brought to you by SportsNot.com. I am Evan Grote, back after a few weeks off from the show, but training camp does get underway next week with the rookies reporting on July 18th, and two days later, the veterans will report to camp on July 20th. So it is time to get back into the swing of, th- of things here, and you can expect to hear from me on, on more of a regular basis now. Before we bring in our guest, Ben Lindsay from Pro Football Focus, I do want to discuss his roster rankings here with you for just a moment. And for those of you who have not yet seen the article, it is free on the website. You don't need, to, you don't need a subscription for it. Uh, so please go check that out. I'm going to quickly rip the Band-Aid off here for you. You're not going to like where he has the Raiders ranked. He thinks they have the 21st best roster in the NFL. Now, in comparison 
to the other teams in the division. The Chargers he has as the third best, the Chiefs with the ninth, and the Broncos at 14. So much higher on the other three teams in the division. And we're going to give him a chance to defend his rankings now. So let's let's welcome him in and, and say hello to uh, our guest this week, analyst for Pro Football Focus, Ben Lindsay. And you can follow Ben on Twitter at PFF underscore Lindsay. That's L-I-N-S-E-Y. Ben has been extremely busy pumping out the content for Pro Football Focus, and I just wanted to bring him on to discuss one of his latest pieces where he ranked all 32 rosters with strengths, weaknesses, and X-Factors. But before we jump into it, Ben, I want to thank you for the time, and welcome to Just Pod Baby. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Um, now, just just I just want to set this up a little bit. Um, I did take the liberty to share with the listeners in, in the first segment of the show um, those who have not read the piece, um, where you rank the Raiders as well as the other teams in the AFC West division. Um, before we get into some some specifics on the rankings, I'm interested to know exactly how you formulate your rankings. Is it solely based on PFF grades or you know individual grades, or or is there some projecting that's involved and in, in maybe some of your personal opinion involved in in your rankings as well? Yeah, there's there's a little bit of of all of that in there. Um, they basically were were put together primarily by um, carrying off positional units using PFF grade, using some key stats, um, with some projecting down for older guys, up for some younger guys expecting to take a jump, and then combining those sort of position tiers and rankings with some work that our lead cap analyst Brad Spielberger has done um, as far as as roster valuation and, and tying. Um, dollar amounts to the to the value that we expect to get from the players on the roster in relation to the salary cap. Um, so sort of combining all of those elements into a roster score that was used to rank the teams from 1 to 32. Oh, very good. Okay, so now that we have an understanding of how the list was put together, let's let's first start with the Raiders. You you had them all the way down at as your 21st roster and and I know you know most of the listeners out there they're probably going to disagree and they're going to shake their heads and th- and that's fair but um I-, I wanted to give you a chance to kind of defend yourself a little bit so share with us some of the thoughts that went into putting the Raiders where you did yeah and that's understandable uh, there's been some some Raiders fans who haven't been too happy um, <laughs> and, and I get it it's a uh, it's a team that made the playoffs last year and they're sort of down there with a couple of teams in a similar boat with the Titans I believe we're at 20 or somewhere around there. The Cardinals at 23. And I think the tough thing with the Raiders is that their roster is a little bit top heavy. Um, And there is definitely the elite talent there um, going out and adding a Devontae Adams to a receiving core that already had Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. That's one of the better receiving cores in the league. And you can make a similar argument at at their edge group with a, a Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. Uh, but I think the concern is that once you start to get past that and look at some more of the depth, there's a lot of hoping, right? You're hoping an Alex Leatherwood takes a big step forward along the offensive line. Um, uh, Denzel Good comes back and solidifies one of those guard spots. Um, John Simpson potentially takes a step forward. Dylan Parham comes in and, and can provide quality play as a starter, as a rookie. Um, and then defensively, cornerback, you're, you're hoping that and Anthony Averitt, uh, Rocky Sin can replace what Kesey Hayward gave you last year. Um, there's a little bit of concern on the interior defensive line and, and whether you have um, any pass rushing presence there. Uh, so I think the top level talent there um, 
is definitely compelling. Um, but I think throughout their roster, there are, there are definitely still some concerns. I, I think you explained it in a perfect way. Top heavy. That is a very good way to describe the Raiders roster. And I, and I totally agree with you on a lot of what you just had to say. And, and, you know, those of you who, who go out and read the article when, when you have a chance, um, you listed one of the strengths of the team as, you know, the passing game with the addition of Devonte Adams. And then the biggest weakness has to be the offensive line. And you touched on some of that just now, uh, with your comments and, and you point out the, the fact in your piece that the, the Raiders, it looks like they're going to be running it back with the same group of linemen that they just had. But I guess I'm curious to know how much weight do you put into having a new offensive minded head coach with a new scheme and Josh McDaniels calling the plays with a new offensive line coach when you evaluate what the Raiders offensive line could be in 2022? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that's one thing that didn't really go into the rankings is the coaching. Um, And I think that's an area to be excited about if you're a Raiders fan with Josh McDaniels coming in on the offensive side and with Patrick Graham on the defensive side, but specifically on offense with Daniels, I think some of the things he do, he does um, schematically is going to help their offensive line. He ran motion um, at a top five rate in new England um, over the last three years, which is a lot higher than, than where the Raiders were at. Same thing with play action. So some of that misdirection um, is going to help slow down pass rushes. It's probably going to be more of a gap, sort of power run game, uh, which I think could play well to to the players they have up front there. And there are younger guys like a Leatherwood, um, like a Simpson, who could who could t- take a step forward next year. Um, offensive line is a position where guys come in, and, and sometimes it takes two, three years for them to really find their footing. Andrew Thomas is a guy who, who really struggled his first year with the Giants um, and was much better uh, last year in his second season. So, the Raiders are hoping that Leatherwood's a guy who kind of falls into that category. Um, so if, if those guys take a step forward, if McDaniels helps him out a little bit with his scheme, uh, it, it could be improved. I, there's just a lot of question marks as things stand right now. We are chatting with pro football focus analyst Ben Lindsay this week on Just Pod Baby, going over his roster rankings for all 32 teams. Check it out over at Pro Football Focus if you have not done so. Uh, ben, you alluded to the secondary, um, and you have them listed as your X factor. And again, I, I agree with you on that. Uh, on one side, you have Trayvon Mullen, who has flashed some potential in his first few seasons, but has also struggled to stay healthy. Uh, opposite of him, uh, it looks like there's going to be a battle between Rocky Sin and Anthony Averett. You mentioned somebody's got to fill in the role left behind from Casey Hayward. Nate Hobbs returns to man the slot. He had a very good rookie campaign. And then on the back end, you've got Trayvon Merrick at free safety. And it looks like it's going to be a battle between Deron Harmon. Um, and actually, I think you have him penciled in as your strong safety, um, not Jonathan Abram. But again, can you just expand some of your thoughts for us on, on the secondary as your X factor? Yeah, it, it's it's a pr- relatively young group um, that I think could go a couple of different ways. Like you said, Trayvon Mullen uh, is a guy who's flashed some potential, especially his ability to get his hands on the ball and be active at the catch point. Um, so, so getting him potentially healthy, it could help them. Um, but with Rocky Sin and Anthony Averett, I think it's going to be tough for, for those two to replace the kind of production they got from Casey Hayward last year. It's not to say they can't, um, but both are guys who have sort of been more down than up, at least early in their career, uh, in Baltimore and in Indianapolis. And then at safety, there's a lot to be excited about with Merrick um, and what he was able to do as a rookie. 
but strong safety is still a big question mark. And Abram um, is probably he's probably still the favorite going into training camp to have that spot locked down. Uh, but he's not going to get a much better scheme for his skill set than what he played in last year with Gus Bradley, um, who does more single high than any other defensive coordinator in the league, who plays a lot of cover three, where Abram can really live in the box. Um, so if he's going to be asked to play more deep under Patrick Graham, I think it's going to be tough for him to take a big step forward. Absolutely. I agree with you 100% there. Uh, let's quickly take a look around the division and um, see where you had some of the other teams ranked. It looks like a team you really like right now as far as the roster is concerned is the Los Angeles uh, Chargers, and for good reason. They they were a borderline playoff team a year ago. They got a stud uh, quarterback. They've added some high-end talent to the defense and Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, and, and Sebastian Joseph Day. You have them as your third best roster in the NFL behind only the Bills and the Bucks. What else can you share with us about what went into your ranking the Chargers that high? Yeah, the tough thing with the Chargers is that it feels like they sort of get this hype every offseason, or at least they have for the last four or five years, um, and they haven't been able to deliver. But if you're just looking at the talent on that roster, it's it's one of the best rosters from top to bottom in the league. And I think a lot of that starts with what they did this offseason uh, as far as adding to their defense and adding pieces who will allow them to play more like what Brandon Staley wants to play, uh, like on defense, getting a Sebastian Joseph Day and a Morgan Fox, who he had with the Rams in 2020, um, and Austin Johnson, who's another sort of space-eating, uh, block-eating guy up front on the defensive line. And that was really what they were missing uh, last year, they were getting gashed in the run game, uh, and they made it a real point of emphasis. And then, like you said, Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, adding more star power to a defense that already had Derwin James and Joey Bosa. Um, so I think that and sort of how they addressed their defense, which was their biggest issue, is what has them so high in those rankings. Yeah, very well-rounded roster with the Chargers. Um, I, I think one of the bigger question marks in the division has to be the Chiefs. You have them as your ninth-best roster in the NFL. There are some major concerns or questions surrounding how good the passing game can be now without Tyreek Hill. They did sign uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Juju Schuster-Smith. Uh, but you mentioned rookie Sky Moore as the more intriguing option, in your opinion. How concerned are you about a potential drop in production uh, with the KC uh, passing attack? Uh, I think it's one of the more fascinating uh, storylines heading into to next season is their passing game and their decision to to trade that that elite talent in Tyree Kill um, and really go for three viable options in the passing game as opposed to to giving him the $30 million a year contract that he wanted. Uh, it's, it's not like they're, they have anyone who can replace Tyreek Hill. Uh, there's, there's not really anyone in the league who can do what he can do and sort of stress defenses the way that he can. But they added a couple of different skill sets that they're hoping can, can fill that role with MVS as a field stretcher, a bigger body, Juju as like a physical slot. And then Sky Moore is someone I really like coming out of Western Michigan as a guy who can play a little bit inside, a little bit outside, led college football and missed tackles forced after the catch, right? So he's someone that you can get the ball into his hands and, and he can make things happen. So it's going to be tough to, to replace what Tyreek Hill gave them. Um, but I think they have some pieces there that, that might give Patrick Mahomes more options on each play uh, compared to last year where it was only Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey on a lot of snaps. 
Yeah, and we are chatting with Ben Lindsay, analyst for Pro Football Focus, about his uh, roster rankings for all 32 NFL teams. And and I will end with uh, the Broncos. You have them as the 14th best roster. Obviously, they've made the big trade in the offseason for Russell Wilson. He's got plenty of weapons to work with on offense. Uh, Tell us some of the things that you like about this Broncos roster. Yeah, the Broncos were a team who the last couple years, the story has sort of been they can be competitive if they just get a quarterback. And that's what they did this offseason, like going out and getting Russell Wilson. And I know he's not coming off the best year statistically, uh, but I think a lot of that had to do with the injury. If you look at his splits before and after um, that injury, he was playing like one of the better quarterbacks in the league the first five or so weeks of the season. Um, wasn't the same guy when he came back. Uh, so I think getting him, that's it's definitely a, a clear upgrade over a Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, sort of situation offensive lines a little bit of concern that's that's one of the reasons that they dropped especially right tackle um they they lost uh, a little bit on the defensive side at linebacker um that's that position looks a little bit thin but i, I think they're sort of a middle of the pack roster who if russell wilson gets back to playing like he did um in 2020 and previously uh they can definitely be competitive in the afc so before I let you run, I just thought of one more here I want to ask you. So, you know, you know, I'm look through the the rankings and and based on where you have the Raiders, you, you obviously feel they're not a playoff team or um do you kind of feel differently? I mean, I know the ranking you're ranking the rosters, but is that also where you kind of see the playoff picture forming? I I guess is the question. Yeah, I think the the argument for the Raiders getting back to the playoffs is um they get a really positive impact from, from their coaching and, and that new coaching staff, which isn't factored into the rankings. Uh, but I think you can also make the case that they were a team that overachieved a little bit last year. If you look at just something like point differential, um, they had the fourth worst point differential in the AFC. Um, so I, I think with how competitive that division is and the rest of the AFC, the AFC North um, and a couple of the other divisions, it's going to be tough for them to make it, but they do have the star power um, to where they could still push in, and they probably should be competitive, at least for one of those back-end wildcard spots. All right. Awesome job there. Great analysis. And uh, and, I, and I thought you did a great job there defending yourself with a lot of good points there, Ben. But uh, uh, please go out and get, give Ben a follow on Twitter at PFF underscore Lindsay. That's L-I-N-S-E-Y. And, and read his work on Pro Football Focus. He does a great job. Ben, thanks for the time. And keep up the great work. Thanks for a few minutes tonight. Anytime. Take care. Thanks for having me on. Okay, Ben Lindsay there. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation. The pro football focus guys always bring the knowledge, always well prepared, and that's why they are great guests to have on. And, you know, it's hard to argue anything he had to say. You may not like what he had to say, uh, but if you're being fair, you know, that roster is top heavy. He he said that, and I, I do believe that to be true. Plenty of star power with Adams and, and Waller and Carr and Renfro, uh, Crosby and Jones. But, but looking at the depth, of some of the positions. When you look at the depth, the questions on the offensive line, the D line, even at linebacker, I discussed the secondary and some of the, the questions there. You know, I'm trying to look at it objectively. And I, I know that many out there are locking this team in for 10, 11 wins. You know, they made the playoffs last year. I'm not so sure I'm ready to do that. Um, I do believe the coaching upgrade should be a big factor. And, you know, as we get closer to the start of the season, I am going to 
give you my prediction as far as the record is concerned, but still a lot to to be evaluated here uh, in, in the coming weeks uh, throughout training camp. That being said, it is time for me to wrap it up here for this week's show. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed the conversation we had with our guest analyst for Pro Football Focus, Ben Lindsay. Uh, please go out there and give me a follow on Twitter at egroat 5 Make sure you are subscribing to the podcast, please. And uh, you can expect to hear from me again at some point next week when training camp gets underway, guys. It's all going to be uh, picking up real fast and furious here. We're going to have a lot more uh, to dive into in the coming weeks, and you don't want to miss out on anything uh, any of it here on, on Just Pod Baby. So I hope all of you have a great week. And until the next time, uh, I am Evan Grote. This is Just Pod Baby. And as always, just win, baby. <laughs>